0: You're at your old trusty boat, you call Mighty Sparrow, I'm in the city of Mardi Gras. Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Good morning, coming to you live from New Jersey, of all places. I was down on Sparrow for a little bit and then ended up uh, coming up here to do a couple of talks at a couple of lovely yacht clubs. And mm, it's going fantastic. We had the first show last night. I got another one tomorrow. And just really fun, fun night being able to talk to a room full of sailors. Like a bunch of the people in this room last night were actually headed out to Bermuda. So this story about my trip basically around Bermuda was. Um, I don't know, it was pretty cool. It was nice to sit afterwards. I think we were there for a good hour or so chatting and uh the venue was really great because uh essentially, I mean it was like a dining room but it had a huge bar and uh not a not a big room by any means but very very cool to sort of be standing there and and yeah I felt like I was literally giving the presentation in a bar and uh you know everybody's having drinks and stuff like that so the the audience and everybody was, was, I don't know, it was very cool. It was definitely uh, a great venue and I got to meet some really great people, sell a bunch of books, all that sort of stuff. And uh, yeah, here's some really incredible stories. And it's always nice afterwards to not, uh, <clears throat> to not like jet out real, real quick. It's nice to sit back and just chat with people and hear some of their experiences and, and sort of share. I don't know, it's like that old tale of, you know, sailors sitting around swapping stories and all that sort of stuff. So definitely a lot of fun and uh, beautiful location and everything. So big shout out to uh, Atlantic Highlands here in uh, um it's i think it's around like the sandy hook area you could see the manhattan skyline and everything like that from from the venue which was pretty darn cool so looking forward to the next one on friday as well The next one's a a return to uh, another yacht club that i i spoke for i don't know 4 years ago or something like that and uh so that's always pretty cool when you get invited back to a place um you know you kind of know the audience you've met them they're familiar with you so Looking forward to that one, and then it's back to uh, Sparrow via a few stops along the way for for hopefully some more shows, but uh, today I was going to, I don't know, I kind of had this thought, for whatever reason, this this one experience uh, has been circling through my brain a lot, and it's from the first trip, it's this doldrum sort of squall that I went through, and uh, it was definitely a crazy one for sure. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about squalls and sort of dealing with them and uh, shout a little, little bit of a story, tell a tale, if you will, and then uh, and then wrap it up. So I don't know how long it'll be, it's pretty early in the morning here. Um, I never really can sleep in all that late anymore. But uh, before I start the show, like I always say, if you want to help. Support not only this podcast but future endeavors aboard Sparrow, which I think, I think this year Sparrow for the first time is going to get mothballed. Uh, it just I can't, uh, I can't figure out a way to keep it or put it into the water, um, like financially. So I think this year, for the first year ever, actually, uh, since I've owned the boat, uh, I'm going to be land based, land locked for for the winter uh, i'm not 100 percent sure yet but uh we will see and uh but it's sort of looking like that is kind of the way to go and be able to sort of save up the money and everything it's it's mostly the sales and then there's just a lot of a decent amount of work that needs to be done on the boat and um you know through being being away from the boat for the summer um <clears throat> and then for the fall and now we're getting into the winter, um, or the winter is closing in on us sooner rather than later. Uh, it's just one of those situations. So that being said, if you want to help support that endeavor and getting Sparrow back up in shape and all that sort of stuff, consider becoming a Patreon, uh, supporter of the show, become part of the family that, that helps sort of continue, uh, um, everything going. So, Big, big thanks to everybody who's already a part of that. And obviously, we've got the merch line out there. Um, link in the description for that. And then, as always, uh, if you want to contact the show, just uh, head on over to SailingIntoOblivion.com and follow the podcast button, contact the show, bing, bang, it goes right to me. So, that is that is it. Um, so, yeah, squalls. Oh, squalls. I love, like... squalls are really interesting tell you the truth i mean they're you know you see them coming from a long ways off you see that cloud you see its shape it's a cumulonimbus or whatever and it just has that that presence of mind where you're like all right stuff is about to change it's gonna get uh, a little hectic and it's gonna get wet it's gonna get wild for a second and usually Unless you're in an area like the Doldrums where it's it's like a very very common occurrence. I mean, even down when I worked at the Bitter End Yacht Club, essentially that place we used to get hit by squalls all the time. Now, unfortunately, we couldn't really see them. Um, our we were sort of sheltered behind this hill, and sometimes we got uh, taken by surprise for sure. But you know, squalls are they're I don't know they're they're part of me wants to say they're kind of annoying and cause you have to sort of change everything up that you're doing, but at the same time, it, it gives you a break from the monotony sometimes. And it is kind of interesting to see how each one is a little different. And depending on where you're going and what you're trying to do, you know, you might, you might just find that you get a huge boost in your speed and you got to just reduce a little bit of sail cause it's going with you. Um, Usually that's not the case. I kinda typically find that when squalls are rolling, uh, there are they're usually coming in a beam two or something like that. And I don't know. I take the lazy man route uh for sure when it comes to squalls. I usually just douse the head sail, peel off and run with it until it's over, because typically they only last fifteen to maybe 45 minutes an hour sometimes obviously they're they're pretty big systems and everything so that's a bit of a game changer but if i can i like to just go with that go with the flow and uh, wait it out run with it get through all that and then as soon as it passes usually the wind dies completely for at least a little bit get all those sails back up and then continue on your way um you know they're really not all that big a deal. It's way way better, and it's always good to sort of reef that stuff and get your sail plan sorted out. Be extra conservative uh, if you're not racing, I suppose. And in that way, you know, if the squall turns out to be a bit of a dud, it's no big deal. It's easy to put it up. You know, you just don't want to get caught out where holy smokes, they still got. You know, I should have put a third reef in, or or this or that. You know, it's always good just. And and you do gain that knowledge, you gain that experience. You know, you you never truly know what the heck a squall is going to do and how much it's going to hit you. Um, there's been plenty of times where I reef right down, and not a breath of wind comes out. It just essentially rains a little bit, and you know you kind of feel like a dummy when that happens. But again, way better to be prepared for it rather than ill-prepared and uh, have to pay the consequences. Because it can, I mean, in, in the reality, the grand scheme of things, it can get a little bit dangerous. Um, if you you way overpowered, you didn't take down enough sails, and now you got to do it during the middle of the squall because it does sometimes get pretty intense. I know on this last trip, there were a couple of squalls uh, in the third weather system that I was trying to outrun getting away from it by, by running South, um, that hit and man, they hit with a fury, you know, white spray, the winds like crank way up into the forties and you're just like, Whoa, this is intense. And there's always this moment of, of me sort of questioning like, Ooh, how, how, how strong is this going to get? How bad is this going? You know, all that sort of stuff. And luckily i'm I'm pretty good at at making sure I'm all reefed down and and uh everything's pretty much safe um obviously, you never know, but it's uh that was definitely a wild one, and there were a bunch of them for sure. I was glad I was able to get some footage of that stuff, but you know it's one of those things too i don't i i only have footage every once in a while where it's the squall is starting to come on. Um, cause typically you don't want to, you don't want to be sitting there filming while, while this is going on. You have to kind of be ready, but I know that feeling. I can picture it in my head of, you know, all of a sudden that, that temperature just drops and the first, first drops hit. And then all of a sudden that wind just cranks up and starts like and just howls. Oh man. It, it's, uh, it's exciting. And luckily it usually, doesn't last all that long um so so that's thankful but I wanna there's this one squall that I still and I don't think I'll ever get it out of my head to be honest with you uh it was just it was really interesting it it happened as I was headed south on the trip around the world and I had probably been out at sea for close to a month and essentially this thing um I was back most of the day. There was sort of off and on, slight, slight breeze, a lot of very annoying sail changes and putting up the drifter and then having to take everything down and just drift and then go ahead and throw everything up because it seems like there's a little breeze. And I spent a lot of that day, no sails up, just floating. And I started getting into quite a few projects and stuff. And for the few nights before this, it seemed like each night had another, had some sort of squall that came in between, you know, one or three in the morning that, you know, lit everything up with excitement and everything got crazy for a hot minute. And then, boom, becalmed again and drop all the sails and go to sleep. Well, this was the third night. And I don't know if I was in some sort of tropical wave that had come off of africa because essentially i was probably around between like 10 and 5 degrees north latitude just above the equator um really the 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 real crux of the doldrums area in in the atlantic and man it was uh I just remember that night, there was the, the big fluffy clouds, but there was also pretty much a full moon, so it's super bright out, it's beautiful scene, you know, you get that glistening water, it's flat, um, there's not a whole lot to do because the boat's not sailing, and uh, so, you know, immersing myself in little projects and things like that, and organizing and eating and all that sort of stuff, but I remember... <clears throat> Essentially being, I, I got some sleep, but then I woke up and sometime just after midnight, and I decided, you know, it's so nice out now because it's not a thousand degrees from the beating sun and all that sort of stuff that I decided I was going to stay up that night and, and do, some, do one in project in particular that really uh was sort of weighing on my mind and that was sort of the the gooseneck that connects the boom to the ma- the mast it's on a track um, so sparrow has sort of a downhaul system where the whole boom can move up and down on this track but it's it's a real bare bones sort of setup um you know the teeth of this jaw uh, that go around this track it's just metal on metal and I ended up wedging wood into this thing, but for a long time, I was trying to insert these plastic sort of wedges, or not wedges, but um, I don't know. They they almost look like little uh, slides or tracks or something like that, but I was basically trying to get these inside of the jaw around this track so that there wasn't any motion. That was the big worry of mine is there was about, I don't know, two, three millimeters of play, and so... It would move you know as the boat as the mast pumped or as as the boat powered up depowered and the main as the main you know slatted or anything like that, there's a lot of movement, there's a lot of rubbing, and you know when you're you're headed out to sea for that long, you really have to jump on stuff like that because that boat will just eat itself that motion twenty four hours a day will will absolutely eventually do some damage and I remember trying to get those in. So I basically had to take the boom off. The main sail was still on, but the boom was off and, uh, you know, no sails are up. We're just drifting. Luckily the motion wasn't too, too bad at that point. Um, but I had been sort of becalmed and drifting. And when I went down to go to sleep, uh, because, because I was drifting, I remember pulling up the rudder for Mongo for the Aries wind vane. Um, I used to do that in cases where I knew I was going to be calm for a long time, um, just because then it wouldn't knock around and there was no pressure on it or anything like that. And I don't do that anymore. I just lock that sucker off. Now I sort of realize that, you don't. it's not really worth it. You know, you might hear a little clunk clunk, uh, as the boat goes back and forth, but if you tie it off well enough, usually you won't even hear that. Um, but in the past, you know, I'm still just learning all this sort of stuff and, So I would raise that up and it's kind of a pain to do. It's not that bad, but it's definitely you got to hang over the bumpkin and it's a little precarious out there for sure. Oh boy, my eyes are itching. Holy smokes. Ah, yeah, it's a little precarious. You're, You're sort of hanging there and you get this hinged up and to drop it, you just you'd hang over it again and you know lower this little arm and the whole rudder thing goes down then you got to pull it up a little bit so it locks into place and then you lock it back off with the arm and then you're good to go mongo's good and then i put the little wind blade back in and and fine tune it from there but so i had mongo's rudder all the way up and i'm just working away i remember i got the moonlight i got the spreader lights on like it was uh I don't know. It was it was definitely a really cool scene, and for a good hour or so, I'm just working away, and I think I'm actually gonna get this project done and and get it sorted out. And you know, the clouds and everything, the scene around me it was pretty safe to be doing this because the moon was so bright. You know, squalls can't hide in the underneath the moonlight. So I've always said the moon is the a sailor's best friend, and essentially. I remember, you know, definitely a bunch of cumulonimbus clouds around, but nothing was really moving, just, you know, there's no wind, so it's all kind of just stationary until one point, and I remember looking over to the east and just seeing sort of um, a wall of cumulonimbus, so not an isolated single cell off in the distance, but what what appeared to be basically far far off in the distance, the horizon sort of blocked out by these big this big fluffy kind of wall. And you know sometimes these these huge squall systems uh, can come in, but they start out. You know it's the they get so big way off in the distance that they hit the jet stream or whatever. They hit the upper atmosphere and then they sort of peel off, and you get that anvil head sort of look. Well, this was more like a very new to the world cumulonimbus wall, and essentially just just a straight wall and as it got closer and closer, I'm sort of watching this thing sort of, you know I'm, I'm working away I'm playing with the gooseneck da, 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 and then I pop my eyes over on the horizon, oh, yeah, there it is. it's definitely coming towards me, and it wasn't until. I'd, I'd say I spotted it a good 20 to 30 minutes before it even got really close. So it was sort of on my mind at that point. And, you know, you could think like, oh, well, you don't have any sails up anyway. So you could just sit there and uh, ride out whatever happens, you know, lay a haul or whatever. But I don't know. I mean, at the same time, the goal is to get around the world. So any wind you have in the doldrums, you have to utilize to the best you can. And, I just remember sort of looking at it at one point and finally being like, oh, this could be, this one could be pretty gnarly. And so I'm, I kind of start to pack up my tools because at this point, you know, I have all this stuff out there. Obviously the boom's not connected anymore. The boat's really not uh, ready to snap into action, if you will. And essentially I go pack up all the tools I put the boom back together, put the mainsail back into place and then I just sort of sit and I watch for a little bit because um, I'm kind of you know looking at it and I'm trying to judge what it's going to be because that's you know that's that's one of the things you always do as a sailor when you're offshore. you're just looking at these things and you're trying to look for any telltale signs. you're looking for rain underneath it. you're looking for wind lines you're listening out there when there's no wind. You can hear for a long ways away on a calm sea. It's pretty amazing. I can sometimes hear dolphins and stuff like that that I swear they're right next to the boat. But they are way, way, way far away. And it's just because sound sort of carries on the water. But essentially, I'm sitting, I'm watching, I'm waiting. Sitting, watching, and waiting. And this thing's slowly creeping up and creeping up. And I, I still have this image in my head like clear as day of the moment when it blocked out the moon as soon as the moon fell behind those clouds i got a real hint or a real sense of how thick those were because you know that's that's a good tell you know at night when when you got high level or, or sort of wispy clouds and you could still see the moon or you could see the glow of the moon it gives you a little bit of a gauge to say like oh these clouds are they're thin there's nothing in there no threat at all. Or, wow, the moon is completely gone and now it is pitch black dark. So, these are some serious clouds with uh, the potential to get pretty crazy. So, be on guard, sir. And, uh, yeah, essentially, as soon as that happened, hold on one second. I'm going to blow my nose. Oh, that's better. Okay. As soon as I see that moon just... Blacked out and totally blacked out. Then I I don't know. I sort of got a real sense of okay, this is like a big, this is a big squall, really big squall. So I ended up putting up the triple reefed main. I was just like, you know, whatever. I'll I'll throw it way way down. This one uh, could be pretty intense, and you know, it's probably going to leave me pretty quick. And so I I go before I put up the main. I go down and quickly throw Mongo back into action. Put the wind blade on put the hydro blade or the the water blade the rudder into the water lock that off good kind of do it a little haphazardly that'll come back to haunt me and then go and put the triple reef main up and i don't think i put the stasel up but i may have I believe I did put the stasel up actually. I think I did triple reef and a stasel and I was kind of like yeah you know go ahead and uh," because I I did want to again utilize this wind. It was coming straight out of the east so I was headed south and uh, I definitely wanted to burn as much as I possibly could as far as the miles go uh, to get me south and you know, then I'm just sort of floundering, I'm just waiting. Um, nothing's happening because you just you know, you play that waiting game. It's always good to be prepared, uh, a little bit sooner rather than later, but then you sit and you wait. And when the temperature dropped, you know, as these clouds approach, you start to really see how fast they're really moving. You know, they're off in the distance, a little hard to gauge. And this thing, this cloud bank's just moving in closer and closer and closer. And then I'm sort of like, wow, this thing is like a full-on wall of cumulonimbus. Um, It was just incredible. It was really, uh, it was a beautiful view for sure. But my whole horizon and my whole world was essentially closing right in on me at a very, very rapid pace. And now it's really dark and the temperature starts to drop very, very quickly and abruptly. And then the first wisps of the wind start to blow in and then I start to feel uh, a little bit of the rain. And I'm about to go and dash down below but uh, because I was thinking, "Uh, you know, it's going to be nice. I'll get a little bit of a shower in. Uh, I was pretty filthy from being sweaty all day and all that sort of stuff. And Kind of wanted to get a little, at least a freshwater rinse. I I don't think I was planning to use soap or anything like that. But essentially, um, I just wanted to get a rinse, get a wash down going. And then I was going to go down below, grab, you know, obviously uh, the wet weather gear and stuff like that. If it lasted that long, because, you know, again, you're near the equator. So it's really, really hot. Any chance to cool off is a very welcome thing. So essentially the winds kick on and then boom, it's this pretty ferocious uh, squall that hits. The rain is drilling into me and we're sailing. And then all of a sudden I'm sort of like, how come we're not holding this this course? I was set on doing just just a little bit further off the wind than a reach. So I'm just powering along and Sparrow is just squirreling all over the place. It's, not, it's just not it's not right. Something is wrong. And it's a little hard to check everything because the the rain is driving down so hard. The winds are probably eh, probably blowing 30 or something like that. And, you know, I don't have much sail up, but I am kind of powered up because I have that staysail. And essentially, you know, we're heeled over, we're cruising. I kind of bear away a little bit more. And that's when I realize something's wrong. Like I go to click Mongo over so that it, it, peels uh peels us away from the wind a bit more nothing happens got my headlamp on I look over the back and the hydroblade is uh or the rudder that's in the water is half kicked up I didn't lock it into place and now we got a problem because already within just minutes the waves have kicked up to the point where they're sort of bucking all over the place we're now sailing very quickly and I kind of have a choice like okay I can take all these sails down real quick um, and then go back lying haul and hope that I can get that blade in the water. But you know, the, the waves that get kicked up are real just choppy and short period and all that sort of stuff. So the motion of the boat's pretty bad. And if I take all the sails down, the motion's going to get worse and we're going to be rolling all over. Definitely not safe to be hanging over the, uh, the back end of this boat. And, um, the other option is just to ride it out and hand steer. Um, and that's sort of what I went with because I figured, you know, hey, it's just a squall. It is looking pretty meaty. It's pretty big, I guess, but I can't really tell. And you know what? Hey, if I have to sit up here for 15 minutes in the rain, um, so be it. There, I get, you know, careful what you wish for, sir. If you want that wash down, well, guess what? You're going to get it tenfold. And So I'm sitting up there just in a pair of boxers because that's my offshore uh, hot weather wear and wishing uh, that I had my, wishing so badly that I had my uh, wet weather gear on. After literally two minutes, I was freezing cold. It is amazing how that temperature just drops right off and then you add being, being soaking wet. But I am hand steering Sparrow. I did think, you know, all these other options start to come up into my head, but I'm basically sitting in the cockpit. I'm on the tiller, so the Dodger is not protecting me at all. I'm just getting pelted by very, very heavy rain. And, you know, eyes are pretty much closed. I'm sort of checking the compass every once in a while, make sure I'm going right, but mostly it's just off the feel of the wind. I know the wind's coming from the east. I want to go south and. Essentially that's all I'm doing. I just feel it. So I, I keep it on my back and it just keeps going and going. And I'm I'm like cursing myself because I'm such an idiot. And I, you know, after after like 15 minutes or so, you start to really get angry with yourself. You're sort of like looking over all these mistakes. Cause even though it's exciting and you know, there's rain and there's wind and now there's waves and we're sailing this boat, all that sort of stuff. You do that for like 15 minutes straight by yourself and okay, you've gotten used to the situation and now the thoughts in your brain and the process involved uh, starts to catch up with you and you're sort of like, okay, it's the same thing that's been going on. It's probably going to go on for a lot longer and here's what I did wrong. And you start (laughs) listing off all of these things where I'm like, well, I didn't double check that I put Mongo's rudder correctly in the water. That's the big problem. If I would have done that one, then you know what? I'd uh, be able to go down below. I'd be able to get the wet weather gear uh, or just stay down below. It wouldn't really matter. I could wait it out. I could be dry. I could be warm. Um, But obviously, that's not going to happen. And until things at least eased up a little bit, I was not going to leave that tiller. You know, Sparrow definitely... I didn't at that point have enough practice to be able to and enough confidence to be able to lash that tiller off and nip down to the cockpit uh, or the co- nip down the companionway to go and get this wet weather gear and then pop back up. You know, it was just a little too intense that I didn't feel comfortable sort of just letting things lie, and uh, so I just I was like, this is my punishment. I just took it like literally own your mistakes. You know and sat in that cockpit and I just waited and I waited and I waited and it took well over an hour for this squall to blow through and it was just I mean a miserable miserable I remember the last like 20 minutes of it just being like all right let's ease up come on let's ease up let's ease up just begging the ocean to like stop, just please give me a break. I learned my lesson, don't teach me anything more tonight and just about an hour and 20 minutes or something like that after the beginning of this squall is when it did finally start to ease up and it eased up with uh, a bang like it was it was so quick to completely take all the wind away and then it was just a slight drizzle. And the sails start slatting. And at that point, as soon as that happened, as soon as like things eased up, boom, I go straight down below and I, I grab the wet weather gear because I was freezing. I'm literally, I was shivering by that point. My, my body temperature had definitely dropped. And I get back up and now the wind's gone and I have to go. And essentially, take a bunch of the sails down, and and because uh, I'm going to be drifting again, I left the mainsail up. I took the staysail down, left the mainsail up because now the sea has been whipped up into a little bit of a frenzy. No big waves, but lots of chop. And Sparrow doesn't take more than a two footer to get Sparrow rocking and rolling. And so now the motion of the boat's pretty awful. I end up going and pulling mongo's rudder back out of the water because the motion was so bad i wanted to lock that off again and uh now the boat's like wallowing in this in the sea state i'm now sweating again uh because i'm all in this wet weather gear i went from you know burning up hot before the squall to shivering cold and wet during the squall to shivering and then throwing all these clothes on to then running around the boat and doing things. And now I'm sweating again. And it's, you know, at this point now it's like three something in the morning and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, lessons learned. And what I, what I took away from that one more than anything was, um, you know, double check. If you're, you're about to do something, especially especially if it's uh, to prepare for what has the potential of being sort of an, an extreme situation, you know, double check what you're doing, moron. Don't don't just don't just be like, oh, yeah, she'll be right. You know, the old Australian saying, uh, yeah, she'll be right, right? No, uh, double check that. Make sure it's right. And even if it's just getting eyes on it, and uh, that will definitely help you out quite a bit. The other thing was, you know, Make sure that wet weather gear's uh really close at hand if you're about to go into a squall. I don't care how hot you are. I mean, granted, I will say you're living the that that life, that solo sailing life, so you do you do uh take advantage of situations like that where, you know, you haven't showered in forever and if it rains, you're going to sit out there and take that shower no matter how cold it's going to be and so there are little things like that, but, oh, man, I will never forget that. Just that wall of cumulonimbus just coming right in. Very unusual, um, very different. And, again, I was very, very lucky to have that moon up there to sort of, uh, you know, not let those squalls be sheltered and hidden away. Uh, without that, who knows? If it was just a really dark sort of stormy night, I don't I don't know. It would have been... Um, I would have been completely caught off guard I'm sure and much like on my return and heading back up when I had full sail up huge drifter all that sort of stuff and uh, got hit by the squall of the blue when I was down below sleeping shredded sail but that's a story for another time uh, you know but uh essentially it was one of those things too there uh by about three something in the morning we were back to no sails up the seas started to ease back down it was a little bit difficult to get to sleep after that because the motion of the boat but eventually i did fall asleep and the very next morning was uh was the morning where i got up and i get up on board and i'm looking around and it feels a little funny because there's an owl sitting on my boom eating a little tiny seabird. And I'm just like, this is the weirdest place in the world. And I think that's part of the reason why I really like the doldrums. It's just an unusual, fascinating little little niche in our ocean world that, uh, you know, you go a little bit north, you're in the trades. You go a little bit south, you're in the trades. Uh, but there's this little ribbon of this oddball area its own climate, its own weather patterns, uh, its own animal life, and really just a a very unique feel that, I don't know, I've crossed the doldrums I think like seven or eight times, and it's always interesting, it's always a little bit fun, and I don't know, it's a neat little place, and you you have to go really far to get out there. I think that always will have an allure to me, that, you know, it's not something, it's not the Gulf Stream, you know, it's not right offshore. um, It's not something you can just get to really easily. And it's not really on the way to anything, so to speak. I know, you know, if you're, if you wanted to sail from the East coast down to Argentina, well, yeah, you got to cross the doldrums, but that's really, really far away. Um, if you were just having the doldrums as a destination, let's say, it'd be pretty uh, unusual for anybody to be like, hey, I'm going to go sail and cruise the doldrums for a while. Although, I swear, I mean, that 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 might be right up my alley. <laughs> All right, that is my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, I believe it's a chapter in the book as well. I'm not even sure. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Um, it's I, I for sure wrote about that one because it was such a memorable experience, but that's pretty much it for this show. Uh, like I said, I'm still on the road and I'm still cruising and I uh, got another talk on Friday. Then I've got a little bit of a gap. I'm hoping to do some podcasts, hoping to get some work done on the boat. And then I head up to Cape Cod for my last presentation, at least on this little tour, unless some new ones crop up. So if anybody has any Yacht clubs, libraries, anything like that, uh, we can definitely schedule you in very easily. I'll be traveling from New Jersey down to North Carolina, so any place even further south than that over the next week or so, and then back up to Cape Cod for the beginning of November. So if anybody wants to throw an audible, whew, I don't know if that's the right term, uh, get in touch, sailingintooblivion.com I'm still out here, and I have a bunch of books I don't know how many I'm going to have after tomorrow's talk, but I'm sure I'll have a few. So thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Hopefully you enjoyed this story. I'm thinking probably more of these to come because, uh, you know, you got to share those experiences. And if you did like it, hit me up email or, uh, you know, even on the old, uh, social media stuff, it's all sailing into oblivion. All right. Have a good day until next time.